A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Stripe Tap to Pay on iPhone came along and changed everything. With Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. No more juggling different methods. Just a simple tap on my iPhone and transactions are complete. What's truly remarkable is how Stripe caters to all my customers' preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Stripe ensures a smooth checkout experience every time. Setting up Stripe was a breeze, taking just minutes to get up and running. From local markets to global retailers, Stripe helped me expand my reach and grow my business with ease. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. Daily Tech News Show is made possible by its listeners. Thanks to all of you, especially patrons of our Patreon. Remember, you can get an ad-free version of the show and more at patreon.com slash DTNS. Coming up on the weekend edition, we're going to be talking about AI replacing your Fiverr editor, Canon finishing up its RF lineup, and all the new products we're excited about since the start of the year. This is the Photography News for the month of January 2023 in lovely Cleveland, Ohio. I'm Rich Raffalino. And from north of the wall, I'm Anthony Lemos. You know, during the the weeks and sometimes during the months, depending on how long between we record episodes, there's photography news that you know might get lost in the shuffle. So we like to gather here, shine a spotlight on it. So let's get into some of the quick hit news about photo news you might have missed. In a move that is more surprising than the information presented, Apple CEO Tim Cook posted a tweet that confirmed what many have suspected for years. Apple is using Sony image sensors in iPhone cameras. The tweet contained a picture of Tim Cook looking over iPhone 14 models in a Sony facility and text saying, we've been partnering with Sony for over a decade to create the world's leading camera sensors for iPhone. I'm shocked, shocked that they use the biggest image sensor company <laughs> to make their, to, their phones. Exactly. All right. Well, with all the lovely discourse between uh, how Twitter is using its blue verification check marks, you know, between old and new standards for who gets one and whether or not it should be a feature, it may be surprising that other social media sites are considering something similar. Software developer Alessandro Paluzzi, who has built a reputation for reverse engineering uh, and discovering new features across a lot of different platforms, found that Instagram, uh, ahead of its official launch, has uh, there is evidence in the Instagram app that it may start using a paid subscription model, uh, complete with a blue badge in the current version of the app. It's not accessible now, but it's in the code, and uh, it seems like they're working on it. Great. The Raspberry Pi Foundation announced the Camera Module 3 series for the diminutive single-board computers. There are four variants in the series, all use Sony's 12-megapixel IMX708 sensor. You get a choice of 29mm or 17mm equivalent field of view, with options for visible and infrared light capture. Whether you, Whichever you choose, you get autofocus rather than a fixed focus, a 3-megapixel HDR mode, and video recording up to 1080 um in 50p the standard module costs $25 with the wider variant costs $10 more you got to make those pal people happy with that 50p there <laughs> 
Nikon issued a technical service advisory, effectively a recall, for its professional Z9 body. The advisory states that the lens release button does not function as it should, which seems like a big deal on an interchangeable lens camera. It's unclear how many units were impacted, but Nikon has a list of suspect serial numbers and will provide service on the issue at no cost. No big deal. In better news, Fujifilm released its 3.0 firmware for its X-H2S camera, which claims to greatly improve, their words, not ours, its subject detection autofocus performance in backlit and other challenging situations. The update also adds a new AI detection feature for insects and drones. Fairly similar, I think. Um... Although these were not these were added under the bird and airplane categories, respectively, so maybe not as on target as they thought. Not exactly a traditional Kaizen update, but probably welcome for XH2S owners. I'm just gonna say I, some shade thrown at insects for like I guess <laughs> we're just like birds. What like drones and planes? I get that, but like, <laughs> I, it, it seems to me like that it's it's all insect like. I mean, I've seen a lot of drones fly, so. <laughs> All right, well, getting into our first discussion here, Neuropix, a German-based startup, has made the bold declaration that they can help photographers edit their photos in just 20% of the time it would normally take them. Their personal imaging assistant software integrates with Adobe Lightroom Classic to learn from previous edits and incorporate your personal style into editing new photographs using what they are calling smart presets. The company claims once a photographer has invested the initial few hours, they don't have to be sitting at the computer the whole time, for the software to learn by looking at previous edits, Neuropix can edit up to 600 photos per minute or 1,000 photos in as little as five minutes, depending on complexity. Yeah, so the big question is, you know, pricing, right? And here, Neuropix is undercutting its closest competitor by as much as 50%, charging three cents per photo for the first 1,000 per month and only two cents each after that. Using this pricing model, the company says a photographer can edit a 500-picture wedding event, which is the no wedding photographer is taking just 500 photos, but that's a totally separate thing for as little as $10. I think that 500 is after culling. Yeah. Okay. Uh, if this feels like a little too much control is being taken away from your hands, the edits made made by Neuropix are fully adjustable after they've been processed by the software. In fact, the software will learn from the adjustments photographers make after the processing to improve the process for future edits. And for any photographer that has necessarily developed their that hasn't necessarily developed their own style yet, the company will be selling offerings developed by other photographers. Now, Rich, uh, as a film guy, primarily, I'm assuming this isn't so much up your alley, but what do you think this, this does for the market in general for photo editing? Well, I think the key there is they set out that wedding photographer as the example. And to me, this is the market for this because it's already very common practice if you're a high volume wedding photographer to farm out, you know, to, to outsource your editing, right? You've taken mm-hmm. the photos and you have maybe a preset, a couple different presets that you're going to be using, but you know, you, you're going to pay someone a fiver. You just have a dedicated editor on your staff, depending on how big your operation is. And that, that is fairly common. The question is, you know, they, they say you got to put in these couple hours to train it. Um, and then you, you're paying, you know, pennies per image. In the grand scheme of things, probably isn't the, you know, I, I'm sure. If this works well, that might alleviate the need to do that. I don't know 
it, it needs to prove itself, right? Because if you try this out and there is one image that is off and yes, you're going to be looking through this before you give out your deliverables, whatever kind of photographer you are. Right. That being off to me, it would, would be enough of a, a violation for us that maybe it's, it's worth spending more and having more lag time, right? Because theoretically, this could also eliminate a lot of back and forth lag, more uploading photos to people, sharing drop boxes and stuff like that. Like I'm right. seeing the, there's got to be a better way system to this, but it almost has to be perfect. Otherwise, I, I feel like a lot of photographers would be uncomfortable with it. I, as an event photographer myself, um, I use an a application called Narrative Select that helps go through digital photos and find the one where the either the focus is just completely blown out, like obviously blown out, or the eyes are closed, things like that, to help cool my cooling process. Take that into Lightroom, and then if I could then go through you know, what's the pre-cool, if you will, and get my final images that I think are worthy of editing, send that to, to Neuropix, and then get that back, and then just once over each of those pictures, that's a workflow that I can work with that I can actually maybe deliver my pictures within a couple days of an event instead of a few weeks later. Um, I think that that could be really, really helpful. And I don't know that this is going to affect the market for editors as much as we might think. Because mm-hmm. if if you have a dedicated editor, someone still has to go through and do the final approval, like you were saying, on these photos. Yeah. No one's taking yeah. – no one should be taking it, it, Neuropix and sending them out to the client. It may so. take out some of the drudge work from that. Yes. Ed- like you're getting them a much better base, but you're still going to have to go in and fix the stray hairs and, you know, do depending yeah. on, you know, the level of edits that you're comfortable delivering and stuff like that. So it may take out a lot of the drudgery of – applying, you know, white balance and, and all your presets. I do find it hilarious though, that like every photographer ever sells presets and even Neuropix is like, listen, we're going to, you know, we're going to have the, uh, Peter McKinnon, uh, uh, presets here. Don't worry. (laughs) We're going to have those for you. If you want sparkling Uh, summer or whatever it's called, don't worry. Frodo's presets. Yeah. Um, Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Only if you shoot in raw though, obviously. Only, only. Well, and okay. in fact, this software requires raw images. It's not going to mess with JPEGs. So, so uh, the, one more the reason to shoot raw. going to be very happy. Yeah, there exactly. you go. Um, speaking of photos, uh, Canon might be about done finalizing its RF mount lineup. It released two new camera bodies that complete its stratification of the mirrorless market. The headliner is the R8, which seems to be the accessor to the RP. At least it uses the exact same body and weighs a scant 461 grams. Inside, it looks almost identical to the Canon R6 Mark II with the same resolution, mostly the same video specs, including uncropped 4K 60p with all of Canon's AI autofocus modes. The big exclusion, of course, ready for this, no IBIS, no in-body image stabilization. But it also costs $1,000 less than the R6 Mark II, starting at a... Paltry $1,500. <laughs> Canon also announced the R50, an APS-C body that looks to replace the now venerable Canon M50 of EFS lens mount fame slash infamy. Its big feature is the price. It costs $680 and coming this spring. It also features all of Canon's latest AI features. It record oversampled 4K 30p from a, a 6K scan, so it should be a pretty decent footage. And it has an OLED viewfinder, so they didn't completely skimp on the displays, something that a lot of times budget cameras can struggle with. Right, and Canon added some cheap zoom lenses, and I say cheap with, uh, of course, the appropriate amount of salt 
The cheap zoom lenses with the RF 24-50mm f4.5 variable, the 6.3 image stabilized STM motorized, and the RFS, which was a new one for me, um, although it's not the new one for the system, as we discovered pre-show. The RFS 55-210 to starting at, starts at an aperture of f5 up to an aperture of f7.1. It is image stabilized with, I think, seven stops of stabilization, reportedly, and an STM motor. Now, these are definitely on the slow side, but are fully stabilized, and the price is right, estimated at $300 for the 24-50 and $350 for the 55-210 to coming in early spring. These are already listed on Canon's site, ready for pre-order. Cheap glass, very functional. This is an interesting market, but what do you think about the market in general? What's Canon doing here? Canon, because they have market the, the market share, right? They can diversify their lineup in a way that really no other camera maker can. And it really shows with the R8, which seemed like such an odd duck to me. Like at that price, it's priced at the exact same as the R8. Seven, which is a lower number. So in Canon's nomenclature, that should be the better camera, but that's an APS-C stabilized 32 megapixel body. The mind boggles. But when I first saw the R8, I was like, oh, this is like a stills focused camera, right? It doesn't have IBIS, which you maybe don't need necessarily in a stills camera. You're, You're focusing on that type of photographer, but no, it actually is like super well featured with a lot of different video modes. You know, it does uh, like pretty nice slow mo too. It's like it's 180p at 1080. Um, so lots of interesting video, but not stabilized. I guess you could do lens stuff. Again, we say the R6 is kind of the wedding photographer camera, right? Kind of the do everything. Mm-hmm. Canon doesn't have to do that with its lineup necessarily. You know, Sony, Panasonic. Uh, they all have kind of this main hybrid camera that hits that $2,000 price point and kind of is the do everything. And then they have a video centric body and a high res body. That seems like everyone's strategy except Canon because they have bigger market share and they can kind of stratify more into a little bit more weird niches. Like the R8 is, is interesting. Uh, but I don't know. Like it, it's, it's also just weird that to be so high powered in video and not have a very baseline video feature also. It's weird. At the same time, we don't know what these components cost to instill in the camera, so it might make sense on their bottom line. But either way, as you're pointing out, they start at just under 700 bucks, and then mm-hmm. it goes all the way up to the R3 right now at, what is it, like $7,000? Something like that, yeah. It's... But they have just add a zero to the yeah, R. You yeah, could buy exactly. ten R50s. Look, there's ten <laughs> models. They're all separated by about fifty dollars. You just every time you get fifty bucks, you can go up a model. You know, and mm-hmm. and now they're filling it in with the glass. They've got they've got a really good stable of RF glass now. They've got all the main components filled in for both the L series and the non L series for mirrorless cameras. They've got a fully functioning system going on. Really, any budget once you get past your iPhone holders. The one thing I want to put all camera makers on blast, and Canon, this is the most egregious example of this, kit lenses. When did we give up having telephoto reach on a kit lens? 24 to 50, you're getting – like, that's normal. I'm not saying, like, 50 is fine. Like, I love a 50 milliliter. It's probably my favorite focal length, to be quite honest. Like, 51.7 is like – that's a gold lens. I absolutely love that. So, a 56.3 – not exactly a great a portrait situation. At least like Panasonic, it does something interesting. They do a 20 to 60, like a 20 milliliter lens. That's fun. That's something you don't see every day. 
you might not add to your kit for quite some time if you're an aspiring photographer. This is 24 is like table stakes wide for a kit. And then 50? <laughs> Come on, camera makers, do better. Yeah. Uh, it's definitely something they could, they could work on. But as long as they're selling, they're going to keep selling. Well, yeah. I mean, and it's Canon, so they probably will sell they're a selling. bunch of these. Exactly. And, and again, $300 is – it's again, they're not – I don't feel like it's gouging. It is a limited lens. But – you can get into an R50 with a kit lens for under $1,000. Like, that's what they're going for. At, at this prime p- price point, you're looking at a Christmas sale at Best Buy, and you're able to get a, a R10 with a kit lens and a second lens. And and it'll be in a box that says, like, vlogger kit also. Right, right. Just, no stabilization, just, but, yeah. you know, whatever. And um, yeah, and it'll, yeah. And you're walking away under 1000 a 1000 bucks. 1000 bucks. you got a decent camera yeah. with so, like, two lenses and a full set of range, so – and, and a system you can buy into, too, so which is nice. All right. Well, if you want a rundown every single day of just the tech headlines, be sure to check out our related show, Daily Tech Headlines. You might hear me on it. All the essential tech news in about five minutes. Check it out, dailytechheadlines.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. The Claude 3 model family from Anthropic is your one-stop shop for enterprise AI. With models at every point on the price-performance curve, you no longer have to make trade-offs between intelligence, speed, and cost. Claude 3 Opus sets new industry benchmarks for intelligence. Sonnet strikes the perfect balance between skills and speed. And Haiku is the fastest and lowest-cost model on the market, perfectly designed for high-volume, high-speed use cases. Join the thousands of enterprises who trust Anthropic to keep them at the frontier. Visit anthropic.com slash Claude today. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Stripe tap-to-pay on iPhone came along and changed everything. With Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. No more juggling different methods. Just a simple tap on my iPhone and transactions are complete. What's truly remarkable is how Stripe caters to all my customers' preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Stripe ensures a smooth checkout experience every time. Setting up Stripe was a breeze, taking just minutes to get up and running. From local markets to global retailers, Stripe helped me expand my reach and grow my business with ease. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. There were a ton of new products announced to start the year. Late last year, we didn't even bother doing an episode. We just, because we knew things were going to happen. Here we are. This is our time for our summary. But let's start out with the one thing we are both excited to see at CES. After over a decade of frustrating, aspiring run and gun video creators using its micro four thirds cameras, Panasonic finally saw the autofocusing light. Rich wrote that pun. <laughs> For the first time, it's abandoning its contrast-based depth-from-defocus tech on mirrorless cameras. The Panasonic Lumix S5 II comes with a hybrid phase-detect autofocus, joining what has almost universally become a standard in the industry. 
Of course, aside from that major addition, Panasonic says it's using an all-new sensor and imaging engine, although it still tops out at 24 megapixels like the reg- the first-gen S5. The camera can also do up to six and a half stops of stabilization with IBIS and optical stabilization combined. Panasonic puts stabilization in a lot of stuff, so you might actually see that. Uh, and it can shoot up to nine frames per second and offers a 96 megapixel pixel shift mode, something we've seen on their more pricey bodies, but coming down to their more mainstream uh, S5 model now. Right. And then on the video side, it can shoot 5.9K, almost 6K, so close, in 10-bit 422. It does slow-mo up to 180p at 1080 and offers Panasonic's usual excellent assistant to assist tools and comes with an active fan for cooling while still being weather sealed. Panasonic will ship a $200 more expensive S52X in May that will offer raw video and ProRes recording to an SSD and IP streaming functionality as well as a fully blacked out colorway. Yeah. Uh, this was definitely, I, I did not see this coming. Panasonic has been so steadfast in DFD. It's great. It's wonderful. Everyone <laughs> loves it except for people that shoot video. Also, we ship all of our cameras are super video focused, which never made any sense. <laughs> the only bigger news will be when they bring this to either uh, a GH6S or some uh, rev on that, or if they bring, if they you know do a, a rev a, a refresh on the S1 or something like that. Uh, right. I would assume they would bring it to the whole lineup, right? Because it seems to be universally uh, agreed to be competent, <laughs> which has not been able to say about video autofocus for Panasonic for a long time. Yeah, and I think it says something that. Panasonic took this long to get into the uh, phase detect autofocus, which was which mm-hmm. is huge, um, and they have the pixel shift to give you the you know the quadrupled pixels, uh, which is something Canon still hasn't done. So <laughs> that's true. That's true. Uh, yeah. Um, well, and and even uh, I know Olympus or OM Systems does it. I know Sony does it, but you have to like do it on your computer, so no one ever does it. Um, yeah, it's, so, it's yeah, a two-part it's, thing on, on Sony, but Sony kind of started it out. I think, as far as my true. knowledge goes, they were the first ones that I heard about doing it. Um, and I think Nikon has a camera or two that does it as well. Uh, and I'm not. Yeah. Yeah. But, it's I mean, an, it's an interesting capability, especially if you're like you're in a landscape or you just like to print really big. Right. Um, obviously, everything needs to be completely locked down, and you know you're not going to be probably doing portraits with it. But it's yeah. uh, it's a it's always an interesting feature. No no but, flies you know, easy enough to the side. <laughs> <laughs> but Anthony, what else kind of to start the year has really caught your eye in terms of announcement? Just a ton of glass, ton of uh, just accessories and stuff like that. What caught your eye? It really is. Um, I'm going to start with Sigma's 50 millimeter 1.4 Art. Because okay. this is a lens. Sigma, they've got a good history of creating great lenses at a reasonable price. And this is a 50 millimeter 1.4 high quality glass. And this comes in under 900 bucks. Yeah. And they're making them for mirror, like specifically for mirrorless mounts. So it's not, yeah. I mean, it's still Sigma. So they're still kind of big, but it's not gigantic like Sigma right. glass of old. It definitely looks like a, a pretty cool thing. Uh, the, one of the things that caught my eye is uh, Nikon announced a 26 millimeter f 2.8 full frame lens. They're saying it's their thinnest and lightest autofocusing lens ever, and it costs 500 bucks. So it's like a reasonably priced kind of pancake lens. What fascinates me about this? This is a stealth APS-C lens because when you mm-hmm. apply the crop factor, that's 40 millimeters, which is a classic pancake focal length, right? So you can mm-hmm. have this tiny little lens on your APS-C camera. 
upgrade to, you get a nice 40 millimeter. You upgrade 26 millimeters weird. It's like not that wide. It's kind of stuck in no man's land, but <laughs> it still works on a full frame. Unlike, you know, if you buy into, uh, and, and it feels like it's made for APS-C. So you get value when you need the yeah. value. And then when you upgrade, you can still have usable glass, which I like. Yeah. Uh, 26 millimeters is a little weird. Not it's very weird. Like the 35 millimeter F2 that Leica's got coming out for the L Mount Alliance, as, uh, as certain people would say. Uh, 35 millimeter F2 and a 50 millimeter F2 that are both reasonably priced. Now, yeah, I, I'm. I, this is my. You're going to catch a theme here. Reasonably priced, great glass is a sure way to get me to mention you on whatever podcast I want. <laughs> Yeah, I, well, and usually when the entry price for your Sumacron or something like that is north of three grand or something like that, uh, you know, th- these are, are these are coming in. You know, what is the fifty coming in under two thousand? I, I, yeah. Again, for uh, if you're not if you don't want to pay Leica prices, there's Sigma. They're in the Elmont Alliance too, but <laughs> Leica sticks around because they make good glass. That's all I'm saying. Exactly. Exactly. Yes. It's, it, it's. I'm not saying it's cheap. I'm saying it's it's better than it could have been. Affordable Leica glass is always an eye catcher. Uh, one of the other things uh, we were talking about Sigma, they also came out with a 60 to 600 millimeter sports <laughs> lens. The Bigma is back for mirrorless. I love these goofy lens. It, I, I, I always want to buy them because I think like I need this for my kid's t-ball game. I don't need 600 millimeter no. reach for a t-ball game, but I don't need to see nose hairs like when they're standing up there with the bat. Yeah. I, but I, I love it's like, this is it's not the fastest lens four five to five six um but for you know uh six hundred millimeters at five six is pretty good and it's not like like insanely expensive it's not cheap uh yeah. but in terms of when you're getting into wildlife lenses I know uh Canon does a lot of like fixed focal length like f eight and f eleven really long stuff but sixty to six hundred is is like very versatile right it's not like yeah. this comical giant lens uh i mean it's the bigma so it is also giant but i i i just love sigma just like we're just doing this we're gonna have this 10x zoom here you go you don't need a point and shoot to get 10x zoom we can have it on your mirrorless camera too the part of this that gets me is if you're looking at it if you're just reading specs just straight reading specs it's 60 to 600 starting at f 4.5 who's going to use that for sports nobody wants to use that for sports but you're at 600 millimeters at 5.6 that's Mm -hmm. pretty good Mm-hmm. And maybe you don't need it for T-ball, but I would certainly use this for soccer. Yeah. To be able to reach the, the, other, the other corner of the pitch, 600 millimeters is, I mean, it's right up my alley. Okay. There you go. Get a teleconverter on there, too. Well, I don't know that you'd need that because I don't need to see the nose hairs either. But 900 um, millimeters. <laughs> <laughs> That's like lions. Like at that point, it's like only lions and things that can murder you is the only reason to have that long. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Exactly. All, All right. We'll finish uh, this off here. Uh, well, I am excited about the OM Digital's new 90 millimeter f 3.5 macro. I'm not excited about the glass per se. I'm not excited about it being macro. 90 millimeters is kind of a strange focal length, but I get it. F3.5, perfectly usable. I'm excited because this is another sign the OM Digital is actually taking this seriously and they're going to continue to put stuff out. I just Yay, like the progress. For existence. Yeah, I just I just like the 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 idea of Olympus sticking around to just have another 
and or sorry, OM systems to stick around and stay in the market for a little bit longer. I, I'm it, happy about that. Oh, OM systems remind me of Apple after Steve Jobs passed away and that you're wonder you're wondering at what point does the last of the thing that Olympus had in the pipeline or Steve Jobs had in the pipeline end and they have to start operating kind of on their own. I don't know if this – I'm assuming they've only been owned by OM system for – or they've only been OM system for a year. So I'm assuming this yeah. was in the Olympus pipeline. But yes, new things. Keep that. Keep Micro Four Thirds alive. I love that as a system. I still think it has a really cool purpose. So yay, class yep. for a system. It makes me happy. <laughs> All right. Well, we're going to close this out here uh, with a really cool story from the world of racing. This racing yeah. season, Formula One drivers will use helmet point-of-view cameras on all 23 tracks on its schedule. This comes after two years of testing, so they've put in the work. Although previously, these were only used for practice sessions, this will be the first time we're going to be seeing the footage from an actual race. The camera shouldn't impact a driver's helmet. They weigh a paltry 1.4 grams and are uh, only 8 millimeters in diameter. So, I mean, like super, super tiny. It's set kind of on the eye line of the driver too, so you're getting that perspective. It does have some limits though when you're dealing with a camera that's small, obviously. Stabilization is not great uh, in any of them, and resolution is limited at 1080p. Still though, should provide some amazing perspective for how fast the action is on the track. And I, I watched a couple of these. I'm not a race guy. I'm not... If I was going to, Formula One would be what I would get into. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, it, just seeing that like it's it's so... Uh, visceral and you're, you're yeah. seeing the shifts getting done in real time. You're seeing like just how tight everything is in a way that I, I don't know, an overhead shot or, or corner shots and stuff even don't get. It, it was really fascinating to see. Yeah. And I, I really like this. The reason I wanted to put this in here is because of the safety reasons for it. Uh, Formula One and um, all the major racing, racing series around the world have been going through this, this safety issue. And one of the things that a lot of the drivers keep bringing up is points of view and, you know, inability to see around certain safety features in, you know, the halo and all that other stuff. It's, this is going to provide a lot of data that's going to give perspective on what the drivers can see, when they can see it, how quickly they can see it when something happens. And it's going to follow the helmet around. So you're going to be able to see them looking around and notice, well, when they go around these corners at this speed, you know, this is happening, things like that. I'm I'm really excited about the, the safety aspect. Plus, as a guy that likes to watch, you know, heavy, hard racing, this is pretty cool to see this perspective. So uh, it's, it's something that looks cool and will make people safer. That seems like a it's a win-win. Yeah. So there's got to be a downside somewhere, right? Uh, <laughs> if you can find a downside, we'd love to hear from you. Feedback at Daily Tech News Show. Go ahead and put uh, photo news in the subject line, and we will try to find it and bring it into the show. And we would really love to know what you think about all the new stuff that came out of CES and outside of CES over the last few months. So drop us a line, feedback at dailytechnewsshow.com with the subject line, photo news. And remember to catch Daily Tech News Show. It's live Monday through Friday at 4 p.m. Eastern, 2000 UTC. You can find out more and watch it at dailytechnewsshow.com slash live. Remember to tune in Monday. Andrew Heaton is going to be on the show. He's uh, always fantastic when he's on the show, so make sure you tune in for that. But we will be back next month. Until then, remember, have a super sparkly day. Just maybe not directly into your lens.
podcast is part of the Frog Pants Studios Network. For more information about this and other shows, visit frogpants.com. Audio program so good, it's like you're there. Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. <laughs> imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.